Uh, and our reading this week comes from the ninth chapter of the book of Mark. I'll give you a second. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Gospel of our Lord. I just need like a quick survey because I'm curious. Um, If you have never heard this story before, this reading, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're bold and would like to, okay, this is brand new. Um, If you've heard this before, don't raise your hand. I want to know what you've heard about it. This is not because I don't have a sermon. Um, I've preached a lot of sermons on this weird transfiguration text. I've heard a lot, but I want to know if you've heard this before, what do you remember? What has stuck out? You can sit there and stare at me blankly too, if that's what you remembered. And that's what I know that I here have preached sermons that no one's like I I was gonna bet Sarah that Dave would be the first one to talk huts for them thank you for breaking the ice anybody else now that the ice is broken yeah Mm. God says listen what else what have you heard about this text yes Mm. The law and the prophets show up in person. Yeah. Anybody else want to weigh in? Something memorable and deep that you've heard? Yes. That is a weird, weird little phrase at the end. Oh, and don't tell anybody about this great thing that just happened, by the way. I ask, and I'm curious, because this is a weird pivot point. It's a weird story in the Gospel of Mark. Um, And I don't know about you, but I feel like most of us are living in this world where we are firmly rooted in a lot of things that we know and maybe experience if we're part of church and hear these gospel readings uh, on a regular cycle every year. And also, we are firmly rooted in the world where this is super weird. This is not something that happens. It's not a story that you just naturally talk about over a a dinner party or in line waiting for your coffee at Starbucks because it is strange. It requires all sorts of context. And then I'm sure we have all maybe, um, if we've been in the ritual, the rhythm of church, heard this story uh, around this time, this beginning of the season of Lent. And Lent is a time where we prepare ourselves for what God is to do. So then the question becomes, why this weird, bizarre moment with Jesus shining on top of a mountain? we do buy that that's weird and bizarre a little bit not typical not typical for the gospels not something we've experienced probably or or would expect 
to experience in this life. And if you're just coming in, um, I'll do an even quicker synopsis than I did last week. But how we got here, in the beginning of Mark's gospel, he skips all the Christmas stuff, remember? If you're here, you should know this. He skips all of the baby Jesus and the angels and the shepherds and all that kind of stuff. Skips straight to John in the wilderness and Jesus' baptism, where John is reminding everyone that it is good and holy to make U-turns. And in that moment, God speaks to Jesus and says, this, you are my beloved. I'm well pleased. And then Jesus begins what Jesus is going to do. He calls some disciples. They immediately fall flat on their first moment, their first opportunity to be followers of Jesus to figure out what that means. They are in the synagogue when this disruption occurs, and they have no idea, like any of us, how to deal with an unexpected situation. And then they move on, and they find themselves in another moment where Jesus says, well, another way to follow me in this world is in the intimate moments, the holding of hands next to a bed, the being present with someone when you don't know what else to do. And then it starts to click with them. Okay, maybe we can figure this out. Maybe we can get there. And then fast forward after a lot of different things, we have this moment where Jesus calls to, to um, these three disciples and says, oh, come up this mountain with me. Follow me. Now, anybody ever heard the phrase, follow Jesus? I feel like that's fairly typical, also really ill-defined. Like, what does that actually mean? There's a whole lot of different kinds of people in different kinds of places that define what they want that to look like for themselves. Um, it sounds like a nice idea, but then, of course, like all nice ideas, we're able to manipulate and use it and, and say that it's this thing and not that thing and use it to, to beat other people with because you don't follow Jesus in the right way. This story I love because it is literally following Jesus. Jesus says, walk up this mountain with me. Let's go for a hike. It is straightforward. It, it is not something that has to be theologized or broken down or pulled apart. Jesus literally says, Come with me. I'm going this way. And I think if the disciples are anything like all of us, they were very uncomfortable with not knowing where they were going or what was about to happen. I have a six-year-old. She says the thing that everyone says when they have been in the car for 32 seconds and they're on an eight-hour road trip and they're wondering when we're going to get there. Um, and it used to drive me crazy um, yesterday we're sitting waiting for Willy Wonka to start. When's the play going to start? 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 Like, I don't know. It always starts really late. I don't know when the play is going to start. When are we going to get there? When are we going to arrive? When are we going to get to Grandma and Grandpa's house? When are we... It used to drive me crazy. And then I stepped back from that a little tiny bit and reminded myself that when you are not in the driver's seat, when you are in the passenger seat or in the back seat, when you are not the leader up the mountain, when you are the follower, it is not comfortable to not know what comes next. It is not comfortable to not be in charge. Have you ever been driving and you hit a giant pothole, but you were driving, so you saw it coming? And everyone else in the car, it's like, what just happened? It's different when you are not the one in the lead, when you can't see what's coming down the road. It is uncomfortable to not be in charge, to not have control, just to follow and this is a literal moment where Jesus says, follow me. And I'm sure they're all back there saying, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? What's happening when we get to the top of this mountain? We don't like to be the people who aren't behind the wheel. And yet that's exactly what Jesus invites us, invites these disciples to do. And so they hike up this mountain. They get to the top. One might think that that's enough of an accomplishment to make it to the top of this beautiful place to look out and see. But then we have the part that makes it weird. Jesus starts glowing. 
I'm sure I've preached these sermons, I've heard these sermons where people try to describe and understand this whole moment with, with Moses and Elijah and Jesus is glowing on the top of the mountain. We could talk about it for days and go around and have lots of interesting conversation. I don't necessarily think um, that we're meant to understand what's happening. I don't think Mark is trying to give us some sort of image of something that's practical and purposeful that we can just wrap our eyes around and, and, and wrap our brains around and somehow take something away from it. I think this is meant to be a little mysterious and bizarre and, and, and beautiful and, and holy and confusing and disconnected from our normal everyday reality. I don't think we're meant to understand the moment. I know the disciples don't understand the moment because they just start blabbering. We should stay here and build some tent. We should, uh, what, what? is going on right now and this is when God speaks when God sort of shakes them awake from all of their stupor and wonder and all these things happening in front of them and God says this is my son the beloved listen to him God speaks twice um, in Mark's gospel the first is to Jesus to say all right go get him tiger you are my beloved the chosen Jesus baptized, goes on about his ministry. And then the second time, God speaks, not to Jesus, God speaks to the disciples and says, listen to him. That's it. That, that's all the instruction they get. <laughs> that's all the context they have to process this weird and bizarre little moment. And then, um, I don't know why this stuck out, stuck out to me more now than it ever has. It says, only Jesus remained. Let's just be straightforward with one another. It was a few thousand years later. Um, the whole concept, idea of Jesus, the person of Jesus, is just something that has had a lot of time <laughs> to simmer and percolate and have things added on and become a, a meaningless word or phrase in a lot of cultures and, 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 and moments. Um, the whole idea of following Jesus can become a trope or a meme or, or something that is deep and, and meaningful one minute and another minute we say like I have no idea what I'm supposed to take away from this. Um, the whole uh, baggage, is that the right word? All the layers of our theology and our using God's presence and goodness in this world as a, as a bludgeon to beat other people or judge other people with all of this stuff is sort of laden around this moment. And then I hear in this gospel today, the only thing that's left is Jesus. Everything else is stripped away. And remember, we got here because they followed him. We we're invited. We we're called to follow him. And I don't always know what that looks like. But I think the thing we learn in this shift in Mark's gospel as we move towards Lent um, is that if Jesus is the only thing left and we are to follow, then we need to get really comfortable not being in charge and not knowing where we're going and not being in the driver's seat. We have to be really comfortable recognizing all those moments that we say, okay, that's great, but are we there yet? And what are we going to do when we get there? And what is the plan? And lay out all the details for me. We have to be really comfortable with moments that are bizarre and inexplicable and make no sense. And did we really experience them? Um, and to file those away, because after all, Jesus said, all right, it's time to go. We're moving on. It's not about staying here. It's not about setting up camp or trying to understand this particular thing. It is about continuing to move, to follow, to see where we are headed next. It is a surprise. It is a mystery. And that is super uncomfortable, isn't it? 
oh, it's hard to be a follower. It's so nice to be a leader. When I was a kid, I went to camp exactly once. I hated camp. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I went, my brother and my sister went for years and years and years. It was their thing. They loved it. Um, I went, I slept in the cabin um, with a bunch of people I didn't know, and I did all the camp things, the archery and the boating and all that stuff. I hated it. Um, I don't know why I hated it. I don't remember. I just remember not liking it. I don't remember why I didn't like it. Um, I think uh, later I figured it out when I became a counselor, and I loved it. <laughs> it's so much easier to be in control, to know what's going to happen to set the schedule. It is so much more fun when you are the one in charge and have access to all the stuff and get to go to the places that the campers don't get to go. I mean, I think there is something just innate to us that just feels better when we feel, even if it's not true, that we have some agency and control. And yet we know that this whole world, that our lives are full of moments where we are not in control, where we cannot manipulate or cajole or work our way towards something that we can predict or design. There are so many moments where we are reminded that we are simply in the passenger seat. And the question becomes, how do we get comfortable recognizing our role? And I think it comes from these few words that God speaks in this moment. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen. True confession time. Um, this literally happened um, probably with you, with all of you, at some point in time. Um, this is just the way my brain works. So I will meet somebody, and I'll say, hi, my name is Mark, and you will say, hi, my name is... <laughs> Every single time. It does not matter if I am trying to like really focus and pay attention. Always, the first time someone tells me their name, I hear... <laughs> Every single time. So if Sarah has ever walked up to you and said, hi, I'm Sarah, in a really awkward fashion, it's because I had to send her over. The second time, I'm good. After the second time, I am fine. But the first time, I just cannot hear it. And um, I work tirelessly, because this is who I am in my own baggage, I work tirelessly in conversations with other people to not get my point out next. Because every time we have something that we're really excited to share, it is really hard to listen to what the other person is sharing with us. Almost impossible. And we've all been in that moment where it's taken to the extreme and you pour your heart out in some sort of manner or fashion. And they say, so anyway, my vacation last week. When they didn't even track where the conversation was going because they were so excited to be in the lead, to be in control, to be in charge. I mean, I know for myself that is a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy and effort. But, oh, to be able to hear these words, this gift, that God shares in this moment with these few disciples, with all of us, listen, be comfortable following, stepping back, opening your ears, being in the moment, allowing other things to wash over you and to process them before needing to have a response or a reaction or a plan or to know the next step. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. That's way later. You know, I do have to say, the Super Bowl being in Vegas is a gift for all pastors on Sunday mornings. So you have no excuses. Here's the thing. All of us 
all of us are simply following where God is leading in this world, whether we recognize or know it or not, we are not in control. We're not in charge. We do not have all the answers. We do not know where we're going to end up. And we can try as we might to be in the lead and to assert all of our ideas and to try to bring all of our understanding or will to things. But at the end of the day, all of us figure out different ways to learn how to listen. And we have this gift in this moment as Jesus says, oh, there's a, there's a lot of things that are going to happen as you follow me, as you follow the lead uh, that are unexpected and unpredictable. But know this, um, it is not your responsibility or job to figure out where we are going. It is your responsibility and job to pay attention and to listen. All of those moments in the car as a kid where there was the atlas and high tension. This is like way before Google Maps. Um, we missed our turn 30 miles ago. What do you mean we missed our turn 30 miles ago? Well, the line looked a lot shorter on the map than it was in real life. All of those times where we think that we are tracking and we can figure it out and we can predict it, we're always surprised. Let us embrace the fact that we are able to follow and not need all the answers. Let us embrace the fact that our task, although it is hard, is beautiful and holy to, John, paying attention, to listen to find ourselves really trying to tune in to the people in front of us, to separate ourselves away from the world so that we're able to hear God speak. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? We just like to be in control, in the driver's seat, know where we're going. May we receive this holy gift that so often we find ourselves invited to follow, reminded to listen, that that is enough Amen.